Joey, are you watching closely? I sure am. (laughs) Welcome to Affable Chat. My name is Benjamin, and I'm joined by my co-host, Joey. Hey, how's it going? And today, we're talking about The Prestige, a movie that was requested to us by at underscore Parker underscore O underscore, uh, otherwise known as just Parker, he, we've actually mentioned him on the podcast before because he sent us an email and told us that he loves us. And Parker, we still love you too. And thank you for requesting The Prestige. Yes. This is a period thriller. Directed by Christopher Nolan. Starring Batman, The Greatest Showman, My Cocaine, and Black Widow. I watched this movie on YouTube. Joey, how did you watch it? I watched it on the Google Play services. Okay, so we're talking about the prestige. Joey, give us the synopsis. All right. Two magic dorks really go at it in London. And they sure do go at it. It is an absolute battle between magicians, which, uh, well, I'll go ahead and jump right into our pros. I think this is an amazingly creative story idea. I, uh, I already really love magic, and uh, to pit two magicians against each other, and like... Not magicians where they're like casting spells that are turning each other into toads. It's like competing for who has the best trick, which is such an awesome idea. Yeah. Uh, I, I think that basically every line, maybe not every line in this movie, but like so, so much of this movie is meaningful for other parts of the movie. It really encourages you to pay attention to every single thing that is said, uh, which it, it's it's so satisfying when you do that and then it, it pays off later. Uh, obviously, the cast is star-studded, uh, which is amazing. It like the fact that we can list off all their names in <laughs> kind of other like even superhero movies. I think superhero movies are uh, it's kind of a, a thing for superhero movies to always have a listers and so like we have a couple of them in this movie. So it's like amazing cast, uh, great acting, especially from our two lead men. Oh yeah, uh, a complex story structure that's still easily easily uh understood enough that it it, like i would say most audiences will get it um or or it's not it's not too complex or overly complex but it still challenges you um it's meta in a way that it treats the audience kind of like they're attending a magic show which again i love magic shows (laughs) and uh, i love that a lot and you can't i mean the probably the thing that people think of first when they hear this movie is the great reveals that this movie contains so a lot of good stuff in here yes yeah, um, I agree wholeheartedly with all of that. Um, every um, this is an amazing, amazing story. Um, every little moment just has just you know all this detail to it. Um, the twists and turns just come really fast, and it's almost impossible to know what's even real at by the end. Um, and it's engaging in every single level as a mystery, as a work of suspense, as a character drama, as a revenge thriller. Um, the acting it really is incredible. Honestly, like ever since I saw this movie, I think that's how christian bale talks every time i see him in another movie i think he's like acting through his like lisp <laughs> that he has in this movie uh he's like he's becoming my favorite actor i just really really like him and he's i mean he really does such a good job with this movie um and the editing and directing just send it over the edge from something that's interesting or good to truly a masterpiece and the steady idea steady focus on like a single idea it's just explored so perfectly. Yeah, I have to echo your praise of Christopher Nolan and Christian Bale because, I mean, they're a great duo together, Name obviously. and I'm more iconic duo. <laughs> right, yeah, I'll, I'll wait. You know, it's, uh, it's, it's so good. And especially just uh, Christian Bale. Uh, his, he's such a good actor, and, and the effort that he puts in his roles, uh, like the sacrifice he yeah. puts uh, into becoming the characters he has to be. I'm really looking forward to that. Uh, that new one, Dick, Dick Cheney one, Vice. Yeah, yeah me too. That's I'm, gonna be so good. I'm so excited for that. Like he's, uh, I, I, I hope. I know he puts a lot of sacrifice into like forming his body into the correct body type. Oh yeah. Uh, I know. I hope that getting fat is easier than getting all <laughs> buffed out like he had to for Batman. So, um, but yeah, Christian Bale's awesome. All right, into into the cons section. And honestly, I was thinking about some of these recent episodes we've done on movies that are just certifiably good movies. Yeah. And I, I feel like I always say the same thing. I'm like, I can't come up with any good cons. Uh, and the ones I do, I, I label as nitpicks, but 
and and, no, and nobody like those aren't <laughs> very legitimate. It's like eating at a at a authentic Mex- Mexican restaurant and complaining that the food is too spicy. It's not <laughs> the food isn't the problem. It's that I don't like spicy things. Right. right. That's that would be the problem. So, That's a good metaphor. So I, I like. Right. But this movie, I actually do have a I, I, it, what I consider to be a legitimate criticism, which is that uh, the dialogue can be a little bit hard to understand, especially early on before you kind of get used to the to the accent. You mean like the oh, like the, them t- speaking or like it's, it's too not vague. It's not that it's too vague. Uh, the things that they're saying are, are masterfully written. I think the, the, the dialogue in this movie is uh, very amazing. It's that the. And this was the same complaint I had about uh, Dunkirk is that they're speaking in pretty, you know, in an accent that I'm not used to because I'm an American. But also, I, I guess I don't know if I would have understood this movie without di- uh, subtitles mm-hmm. uh, because there's a, like it's really important that you hear and understand everything they say. Uh, and I just I had difficult uh, difficulty with it. Yeah, I agree. I this is the first time I've watched it with subtitles too, and it, there are parts that I picked up on that I never noticed before. But Christopher Nolan is like known for that too. I'm not sure. It's like a stylistic choice. There's often times when the music eclipses the dialogue, yep. or like the sound eclipses the dialogue. And I don't know why he does that. Um, maybe for you to just for rewatchability purposes, so you can like argue about what they're saying. I don't maybe. Know. Well, it's, I mean, uh, Dunkirk specifically, he did it because you, you can't hear people talking when you're getting bombed. Right. So it, yeah. it, it, that makes sense. But for this one, I mean, uh, the first the, the place where I realized it was when they're first, you know, behind the scenes and it's Angie or everyone's together on the same team, Cutter, Angie or Borden, and they're like discussing the knots and stuff. Mm. And I was... I didn't have subtitles on. I usually watch these movies with subtitles because I think it's really important that I know exactly what they're saying. But I was like, whoa, whoa, whoa I need to back up and turn <laughs> subtitles on because I do not know what they're saying. Uh, so that was that. That for me is a actual con because yeah. I think it's it's if you don't understand what they're saying, you miss a lot. So I that, agree that, with that. that. But that's my only one, and that's like a technical thing too. It has nothing to do with the story structure, right? Um, for me, um. I was really tempted to say nothing. <laughs> I was like, I can't come with anything. But there, it, there are a, a couple things. Like the most blatant is the women in the film. Um, the, I don't think they're utilized as well as they could have been. They're really kind of means to an end. And I've heard this criticism from Christopher Nolan in the past too, that he doesn't treat his, the women in his movies very well. But I think for the most part, uh, they have a, like a, a, enough agency for them to be interesting characters. Um, and they do do things that affect the plot in big ways. Um, but I don't know, like, I, I'm just not satisfied with how Sarah's story ends, where she, she commits suicide because she realizes that her whole life is a lie. Um, like, I feel like it would have been more powerful if she had just left him, you know, instead of like leaving her daughter as an orphan essentially agreed but that's the thing if she had left she would have taken the daughter for sure which Mm -hmm. is an important part moving forward so i I understand kind of why it couldn't happen but i i agree a lot with sarah specifically having less agency than uh you would come to expect yeah but watching it this this time i really kind of picked up on the fact that she she knew what she was doing like she um or she knew what she was talking about you know borden thinks he can fool the whole world including her but she figures it out, um, and I mean, that's she's the only one. Everyone else in the movie is clueless, essentially. Even um, Olivia, Scar- Scarlett Johansson's character, she ha- she kind of has clues, but she doesn't really know. Um, Sarah figures it out, and it takes her a long time, um, and of course she's horrified. But well, sure, but I think uh, Olivia has a lot more agency than Sarah in Definitely. this movie. She makes moves. Uh, I mean, by choosing who she wants to be with, which I think is good. If she if she had stayed uh, Angier's girlfriend, I guess, uh, yeah. by proxy, it would have been uh, disappointing, or at least it wouldn't have shown any sort of agency. But the fact that she yeah. chooses to betray Angier, I think, shows gives her enough agency that I'm satisfied. I think the real right. thing is just maybe but Sarah. Her whole, her whole identity is, is based on her relationships with the main characters, which is, you know... I don't know. It it doesn't lend itself to strong female characters. But again, this movie's about them, not really about her, so. Right. So yeah, maybe a, a knock on the movie there maybe, but again, 
It's hard to, it's hard to. <laughs> There's, you can come up with reasons why it's not too, so. Right. Okay. So that's the cons. Let's move into the overall section here. And I mean, it's, let me just put it simply. This is just an amazing movie. Like Christopher Nolan is such a good director. And I like. Oh, first... I want to throw out there just before we get started too much yeah. that Jonathan Nolan wrote this movie too, who he's like, he wrote a lot of um, Christopher Nolan's movies. He wrote Memento. Um, I think he was writing for Interstellar too. He also is like the creator of Westworld. Wow, actually, I didn't, I uh, didn't realize he was involved with Westworld. That's like, what a good writer! But like, <laughs> the these uh, the brothers Nolan deliver in this movie. Like, I I used to when I first watched Reservoir Dogs and or rather Pulp Fiction. I watched mm. that one before I saw Reservoir Dogs, and it was. That was the first time I was like, oh my gosh, directors have this much influence over what a movie can be. Like, right. and I like immediately, uh, he became my favorite. Tarantino became my favorite director, which it was just because he was the only one that I could indicate the style of. But Christopher Nolan is uh, like definitely up there too. And maybe even, I, I don't know. I think having a favorite diminishes the value of the ones that aren't your favorite. So I don't really like to say I have a favorite, but Christopher Nolan is so amazing. Every movie that you see by him, you're like, this is clearly Christopher Nolan. He has a very distinct style and you always feel like he's put outrageous amounts of thought into his oh, work. Yeah. Like this movie is so meticulously planned out. You start out with this scrambled mess of a timeline and a story that you're just thrown into and one by one things are explained and they fall into piece like a like a puzzle that like you you had all the pieces laying there before but it, it starts to reveal itself in front of you and just sends your jaw free falling to the floor <laughs> but meanwhile while you're trying to piece these things together the movie like demands your full attention at all times by giving you like explaining magic to you and showing these this amazing back and forth between these magicians it's it's full of twists and reveals that keep surprising you and one upping itself until the last reveals the two like um like you know like big time reveals at the yeah, end yeah. uh which demands which totally reframe the whole movie which yeah which those ones demand that you sit down and watch the whole thing again so it's just it's just a fantastic movie I 100% agree. And yeah, this is one of my favorite movies ever. I mean, I have like a list of favorite movies, and this is always going to be near the top of that. Um, and I feel like the story is just totally unforgettable. It's just, what, is, what I think is more amazing is just how Christopher Nolan gives you this structure and shows you the ending, but it's up until the very last moments. Um, you don't really understand what the trick is. And he follows the same logic of a magic trick. He shows you something ordinary, makes you do something extraordinary, and then turns the whole thing on his head at the end. Um, and yeah, he sets it up at the very beginning, and he delivers on every level. It's really cool. Um, it really is his directing and editing that I think makes this movie stand out, just like you were talking about. Um, and it's this, like, this whole thing is about a ser told through a series of flashbacks and journal entries. Um, but it never really gets confusing. Like at the beginning, it's kind of hectic. You're like, what's going on? But it does kind of follow a linear structure in which it starts at the beginning and then it kind of progresses on and eventually things kind of catch up to each other. And then you realize how it all kind of fits together, which is satisfying. It's but, so cool. I mean, yeah. like, especially the journals thing was one of my favorite aspects of it. I, I didn't remember until seeing it this time. I was like, he's he's reading his journal, which is leading him on this journey while he's journaling, which is being read by <laughs> Borden in the like they're they're both inside of each other's minds in these yes. journals. And, and so cool. Like what? And, yeah. and it does make sense the way it's presented. It's pretty obvious what's going on. Yes. And I, I totally agree. I think this that structure the framing that nolan establishes there it allows for this one of the, some of the greatest twists i think that's the journal thing is an unappreciated part of this movie um and i think it's something worth exploring because borden okay so borden is writing to distract Aegir, and Aegir is writing to taunt borden and to make it clear that Aegir make it clear that Aegir had beaten borden and this plays along perfect with what both men are truly motivated by Aegir is motivated by success in the showmanship Borden is by the technique and the wonder he creates. Um, and just like in every other aspect, Azure cop copies Borden's idea, in a, when in a, which only goes to show how incredible Borden's tricks are. Even diluted through someone else, they are really powerful illusions. <laughs> let, me, let me stop you real quick. Is it Azure, not Angier? Azure? Excuse me. Azure? I don't know. Angier? <laughs> this is how it was spelled, I think. I've been. Um... Maybe it's not. 
Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Hold on. I have a I would, I've been calling him Angier this whole it's time. It's Angier. I, would t- I typed it in wrong. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> it's a weird name. Honestly, just, I was confused at the beginning because they kept on referring that was to his each last other. Name, yeah. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, because yeah, just totally ignore my whole thing then. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, no. But I, th- I think you, uh, you bring up a good point because these two magicians, even though they're literally trying to create the same trick, they have such different ways of going about it, which yeah. just makes it such a cool rivalry. Especially yeah. because one of them is the great Danton. You know, he's he's his name just implies showmanship, right? It's this kind of classical uh, performance magician. Uh, kind of identity that he creates. Meanwhile, the more reserved Borden, who even there are times where his magic is almost cringy. It's so boring. Even yeah. though the stuff he's doing is technically impressive. Like I certainly don't know how to make two solid metal rings joined together, but he's doing it because like he's still he's a magician, but he's the professor. So I like that, and it's and it's not really played up that much his whole professor uh, identity. But I I think it works. It, it it's fitting for the way he goes about his his uh his man yeah, his it trip. is really fitting um and yeah speaking of him uh, christian bale's performance is just so so good i mean think about this he's playing two different people pretending to be each other like how do you even present that <laughs> as an idea it's like you know you know, like he's reading the script and he's like wait i'm two people but they're pretending to be each other so i have to so i have to act like different people but also act like I'm not two different people. <laughs> <laughs> and, it, it, and yeah, well, it just—it sounds like such an abstract concept, but he pulls it off so well. It, yeah. And I, I almost feel. Um, it, it, it's almost a, a little bit frustrating that I've I have seen this movie before uh, watching it again this time because there's so many obvious things that happen the way that he acts uh, where the characters around him are like especially Sarah where she's confused mm. as to why he's acting the way he is but because I've seen the movie before and I know what's going on I'm like he's not the same guy you know <laughs> and it's and it's it, it just changes the way you see it completely. Oh, yeah. uh, it, but it, it's it's his performance that makes it so satisfying in that second right. watch through where you're like, oh, he's totally being the other guy right now. It's like it's really like these tiny little hints and maybe just like in your head or something. You're just like questioning everything he does. Um, and you get these little snapshots of conversations that don't really fit together, like where he's talking to his twin um, when he's really talking to Fallon. Yes. And you're like, th- like the way he talks, it doesn't really quite fit together but then it of course it it makes sense at the end and it's so man the like fallon as a character is so interesting because you just assume that he is just an underdeveloped character yes right like you just assume that he's in the background and you never like you're like who is this guy um you know michael kane's character cutter is such a prominent part of eight angier's like life yes. you know he's always there doing stuff and so you assume fallon plays the same role in borden's life but you never see fallon doing anything you just ignore him like just because that's the way your brain is programmed to do you're like oh like oh just put him to the side put him in the background you know like whatever you never well, yeah. quite see his face you know it's uh it's the way that it's edited right he's we've got yeah. two two magicians and two what is it engineers in in yeah, they're like it's like engineer, but it's like French or something. Sure, and and <laughs> so, but one of them is Michael Caine, and the other one is who you know, I don't remember uh, who this actor is, so it's it's not that important, right? right. So and and it, and it just they trick you into just thinking you know he's a yeah. background guy, even though they throw really obvious things in front of you, like r- when Sarah announces that she's pregnant, immediately Borden is like, oh, we should have told Fallon. I know. <laughs> <laughs> And it's like in the because they they kind of just glaze over it and keep moving because there's a lot happening. But why would you tell Fallon? Who ca- yeah. does Fallon really care? <laughs> but it's because Fallon is is the, the real dad. Is the real dad. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, That's uh, so, so crazy. cool. It's so crazy. Um. Okay. So then, then let's move on to uh, Angier. Then so Hugh Jackman. So he I think he carries his half of the story so beautifully. Um. Seeing him kind of as like this tormented guy i really through this movie i really saw him as the villain this time before i was always more on his side i guess i feel like it is told more from his perspective i guess but but um watching the events unfold he definitely seems like he is uh the villain in this story he definitely takes things to the next level borden reciprocates but it's asia who like starts burying people alive starts you know killing himself every night you know 
he's um he's like convinced that he can steal Borden's trick when Borden is just content with ruining Angier's show, right? Yeah, but I mean, the, it all started when Borden, you know, may or but, may not have accidentally but killed. Who tied the knot is the good question. Was <laughs> well, it Fallon or was it Borden? Well, it from Hugh Jackman from Angier's perspective there's only one person there, right? So right. he has all the incentive to ruin this one person's life after that because his has already been ruined, especially when he keeps one-upping him when he ruins his life. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, but I, I think uh, Hugh Jackman does such a beautiful job in this movie. Yes. I'd like, I would like to see him be kind of the bad guy in more stuff. Um, I feel like he's he plays that tortured role really, really well. He does such a good job with Wolverine, too. I guess that's pretty similar. Yes, well, I, I love how he plays a man possessed by uh, his obsession. He's, yeah. he's, he's unstoppable in his pursuit of uh, didn't, like stealing this trick, which right. is, he does it in a way where you're like, he's clearly not, like he has his mind set on this and he's willing to do anything, especially when he says, I don't care about my wife. I care about yeah. this trick. It's like, <laughs> I know, dang, he's like, dude. It's like, it's like, it's like yeah, like, do you Oops. hear yourself? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but I mean, this, I mean, this kind of proves what Sarah says to Borden, right? That they, these two, Borden and Angier, are made for each other. Um, and, uh, you know, Angier uses his newfound power to frame Borden for his murder. But Borden proves that his trick was in the end better because Angier only got half of him. Angier never truly understood how Borden did it, um, which turns out to be Angier's last mistake. Yes, well, one of the things I really liked, though, was how cocky Angier was about Borden's prestige because mm. i don't know if he actually gave it to him but supposedly he handed it over to angier in the jail that was like the he gave him the third part of the trick mm. and uh he rips it up and throws it and he's like yeah i don't even need to know because my trick is better which right at that point he's just spent he is basically uh, like spent his whole life chasing down this secret but he's so confident in his own achievement that he's willing to rip it up and throw it away i thought that was a pretty baller move right there um, Man, yeah. Even though it wasn't I mean, smart, it ended up not being a smart it, idea. That's what that's all he does, though. I mean, he's all about that showmanship. He's all about like sticking it to him. You know, he's like it's all about that poetic ending. And um, I mean, it is. It, it is works really so well. Poetic. It's consistent it with his character, and it allows us to have the reveal that we have at the end. So uh, it's just yeah. it's masterful. Yeah, I mean that's I mean that's the whole thing. How I just have to appreciate just how well this story is, fits together. It succeeds in doing something that magic can never do, which is give a satisfying answer to the question of how. I like that a lot because it does. And, and that's, that's, what you re, re, that's what you see when you watch it again is that there are concrete answers for everything, which uh, is, I think, what makes this movie. Well, except for one thing, and that's how does the box work? Yeah, agreed. Because that's, that's like introducing actual magic into this. And yeah, I, I do kind of want to talk about the box. I think the box is such an incredible prop like it, they have it in the empty room and it just takes up the whole room. It just looks so ominous. And it's just like this weird trapezoidal yes. thing and it has like these slots on it. And you're like, what is it? What does it do? And it's like, told, it's like, yeah, Tesla's like, yeah, it's dangerous. Don't ever do it. Don't ever use this. And, and Andrew's like, yeah, I'm obsessed. So <laughs> don't care what you say. Right. No. And, <laughs> and, and as another obsessed guy, he yeah. knows he's like, I'm not going to be able to stop you, you know? Uh. So. It's, uh, yeah, and then, and, but then, like, it's like, oh, what does it do? Like, oh, it copies you. But, like, then you really realize what that means. And, like, having another person, like, that looks like you and is basically you. And, like, oh, man, I was thinking about this, too. It's like, if this was really a teleporter, this makes perfect sense from, like, the stand standpoint of, like a, uh, like, a Star Trek teleporter, where the theory is, like, you are disassembled and then reassembled somewhere else. That disassembly process is an extra step that doesn't necessarily have to happen, ah. right? Because if they can just copy every molecule of you, then they can put you somewhere else. So Tesla technically makes a perfect teleporter. He just doesn't have, he just doesn't complete it. He doesn't make the thing that destroys the original copy, which is what teleporters do. Which this is, yeah, that, that whole being two people is such a crazy idea to go over. And like, yeah, think about it. Like every day he, he, he does that show, right? And he doesn't know if he's going to be the one drowning or the one at the end. Like, oh my God, I can't imagine. He's like, you can see how nervous he is to step into it too. And it makes perfect sense. He's like, like, cause he never knows, right? He never knows what, like, 
I mean, it's so hard to conceptualize. It is. Like, one of me is going to be out there doing this. The other one is going to be drowning. Well, he's experienced both, right? He's done the, the, the original test that he did where he put the gun near the machine. He's been the guy who stayed and he killed the copy. And then yeah. every other time after that, he, the guy who stayed dies. How do you do that with any sort of certainty? Especially after that was your first, the, the one that happened first was you stayed. You know, you weren't the new one. I, I just, I don't even understand. It's so hard to conceptualize that going, being two people at once and killing oh, one man. of them. <laughs> it's yeah. good though. It's, yeah, Chilling. it's so awesome. <laughs> and uh, yeah, it, it, and it's, it, it's even crazier when you watch it and you actually know what's going on because you're like, God, he's down there. Uh, anyways, all right, we got plenty more to talk about. Let's, let's move on to our uh, quotable moments here. And I think you've got our first one, Joey. Look at the man. This is the trick. This is a performance. Right here. This is why no one can detect his method. Total devotion to his art. Um, so obviously this is a um, kind of foreshadowing toward Borden and his uh, motivation, right? He, um, he sees the Chinese guy and he's like, oh, this guy is pretending to be old and, and like weak so that he can pull off these tricks that you know, an old and weak guy could never do. And um, so Borden's like, oh, you know, he has such dedication, and that's something that like, will, will fool anyone. So that's what he decides to do. I, get, I assume that he and his twin have made the decision already to kind of pursue this trick. Yes, well, they, they definitely did, because when he's explaining one of his first tricks that we see him do, which is the, uh, the catching the bullet trick, yeah. he, uh, Sarah is like, is this the trick? Is this the, is this the like, amazing mm-hmm. trick you've been talking about? And he's like, no, the world isn't ready for that one yet. He's referring yeah. to the transported man. Right. Um, great name, by the way. I love that. Yes. <laughs> um, yeah, so I, I really like this kind of foreshadowing and everything, and it definitely kind of sets up the stakes for this movie. You're like, oh, look at this. This guy uh, is put together. And of course, watching it again, you really you can see, oh, this is where he kind of gets the like the inspiration or like this is what he really respects from a, like a, a magician is total dedication. Well, it kind of point where it, it opens up kind of a new window to, to somebody who's not familiar with magic. Like if you're watching this movie and you're not an avid magi- mm. like stage magic fan, you're like, wow, it goes beyond this stage. Like what they do up there, illusions are so cool and being fooled is such a, it's such a novel experience. But yeah. to, to understand the dedication that goes into it, it's really opening the door to like what these two are going to have to go through or are going to have to be willing to sacrifice to make this happen. Yeah, and it reminds me of this presentation class that I took. Uh, they told us that the, your presentation begins when the attention is on you. It's before you say hello, before you say your first words, as soon as you get out of your chair and walk to the front of the room, that's when your presentation starts. Um, and, I mean, that's kind of true for this, too. The, as long as attention is placed on you, you have to be willing to fool everyone. It's pretty cool. I, I, pretty cool. I wish I could remember that magician's name, because he's... He's supposed to be so highly regarded, but I can only remember it's like the Chinese guy. <laughs> the Chinese uh, guy. <laughs> but he had such a cool trick, the, the goldfish bowl. The goldfish bowl was cool. Yeah. Um, the, the next quote. Never show anyone. They'll beg you and they'll flatter you for the secret, but as soon as you give it up, you'll be nothing to them. You understand? Nothing. The secret impresses no one. The trick you use it for is everything. Um, yeah, what I really like about this is just how uh, the secret is the most important thing. And, the, you know, as soon as the secret is revealed, it, the, the trick loses all its power. Um, I remember listening to a Radiolab podcast. I mean, this is just, uh, I just love Radiolab. There's one about, <laughs> uh, it's called the, A Black Box. They talk to Penn from Penn & Teller. Yes. And he says, um, the, the, the real secret to every magic trick is that the secret has to be ugly. If the secret is interesting or stuff, it's not really a magic trick. It has to be, un, it has to be very like um, unimpressive. Yeah. So that when you when you hear it, you're like, oh, like I guess that's not that interesting. Um, and I mean, that's kind of the whole thing with magic. It's like it's like obviously it can't be real, right? You, that that's something that Andrew says too. He says if people believe the stuff I did on 
on stage, they would scream, they wouldn't clap. Yeah. Like, there's a there's a cognitive dissonance. They're, they know it's not real, but the wonder is how did he do it? How did he do it? And it's all that seamless, you know, detail that uh that makes it better. So yeah, the secret impresses no one. I, I fully believe this as far as magic goes. Well, have you ever had a magic trick dis- or, uh, explained to you? Have you ever seen one and been like, how do you do it? It's a really, um, well, it's a really disappointing of. experience. Yes, it is. It's always disappointing. There was this show, um, uh, Penn and Teller used to have a TV, like a TV show. Yeah, a Fool Us, right? Or was it the other whatever one? I, I don't want, I, I, maybe it was just a TV special I saw that they did. Because they've done a bunch of different stuff over the years. But I remember as a kid watching a Penn & Teller special. And then after they had a different show that was supposed to be like, you know, same, like, oh, you like magic? Also watch our show, which is that it was basically like magic explained. They oh, would, yeah, they yeah. would show you a magic trick and then they would break down how it's done. And I watched one trick and it was like this guy, he was like locked in a cage and then they would like release a tiger into the cage and then he escaped you know and, you, and you're like oh how's it done and it was literally just like a trap door that you couldn't see and i was like that made what was already like it was a pretty cool trick awful and i hate it so i, I stopped watching immediately and it was the, the it, it is what you said it's that it's ugly it's not interesting and it's the worst part of a magic trick is knowing how it's done uh yeah. so so after that's that that's the whole point the whole point is that you like you're fooled right yeah so and and after that, I made a conscious decision that I don't want to know how magic tricks are done because I do no enjoy spoilers. magic tricks. Yeah, no spoilers. And like I'll even even though if I watch a magic trick multiple times, I am obviously looking to see how they do it. But if they're a good magician, I'll never find out. And that's that's yeah. the whole thing. Uh, so this actually kind of leads into my next quote. Uh, so we'll go ahead and listen to that now. Hold out your hand. The bullet is not even in the gun when the charge is fired. Once you know, it's actually very obvious. (laughs) So this one, I'm glad we did both these quotes because I think that they're slightly different because the the, the secret impresses no one is really explaining that it's like kind of the ugly truth behind magic tricks. But I think this quote is more referential to this movie because if you... What, again, like if you watch this movie, then you watch it again. There are so many moments where you're like, oh my God, that's so obvious that there's two people. It's so <laughs> obvious that he's not the same guy right now, but I didn't see it the first time, you know? And it, it yeah. and I think that it's, uh, I know saying it's it's really obvious is more like, it, it sounds like you're putting it down, put it, saying the trick isn't that impressive, but I think that it, it just adds to the argument that this movie is really well structured. Yeah, definitely. Because, well, think about it. He has to plant all those ideas in a way that you'll never figure it out. It's all that misdirection. It's all that stuff. There's that, um, there's so many parts. I mean, there's that one part where he's talking to uh, Jerry, the, uh, Hugh, Hugh Jackman's double in the bar. And, yeah. um, and he literally says, you want, you want to know how I do it? I use a double. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm like, whoa, I, I did not remember that at all. I was like, how do you, like, that was so, that's such a crazy moment where he literally admits how he does it. <laughs> and you just don't realize it because it's all so <laughs> much of happening. Yeah, I, he's I, lying. <laughs> but also, like, when, um, as soon as they get back, as soon as um, they see the trick for the first time, Cutter, the first thing Cutter says, without hesitating, yep. without even thinking about it, he says, he uses a double. Yep. Obviously. But I, I read this article that was actually really interesting about misdirection. And he says that um, the reason why you don't figure it out in that moment is because they still haven't shown you the trick yet. You're still wondering what the trick is. Angier says, um, it's the greatest magic trick I've ever seen. You see it built up. You see the rubber ball and everything. You have no idea what it is. And when, when he says, oh, he uses a double, like you're like still trying to figure out what the trick even is. Right. You don't register that until later. And then it doesn't come back because you're like, oh, it must be more complicated. It must be more complicated. Except, yeah, especially when Angier, this great magician, is arguing that that's, it has to be, mm-hmm. uh, which is, yeah, it's so cool. It's the whole obviousness of it is is just one of my favorite parts of this movie it's so yeah but like uh to to be more fair to the movie like it's not that obvious right no again it's like like the fact that he has a twin that he's sharing a life with and that twin is like constantly in makeup and they switch when they do the trick is like mind-blowingly like (laughs) complex like saying he has a double is really like putting down just how crazy of a twist that is but it but it's how willing he is to give you these clues where really what you're missing is this huge piece where you're like i never consider the fact that someone could have a twin that they never show to the world and they pretend to be the same person for their (laughs) entire lives like that yeah obviously that's 
a huge part you're going to miss. But once you have that piece, you're like, oh my God, everything around it makes so much sense. Uh, so really, and it's a really unique aspect of this movie. That, once you know, it's really obvious. It is. Uh, just like the bullet catch trick, which the thing about the bullet catch trick is they do a little bit of audio editing there. And I'm not exactly sure how he pulls this off, but she pulls the, the trigger and then he like throws his arm out there to catch the bullet and you hear an impact noise. Like you hear well, he probably a, does that too. But actually, he probably... He probably slaps his leg or something. You ever see that? You know, like that old uncle trick. Sure, yeah. Like you, like you hit, you go like this. Yeah, like you go to punch somebody, hit yourself in the chest, so you yeah, have an impact. Yeah, yeah. On. Sure, yeah, I'm sure he has some. Uh, yeah, you know what? Yeah, I'm not even gonna to, uh, mark him down for that one because yeah, I'm sure he has some sort of impact. <laughs> that impact noise. is important. Yeah, uh, maybe it's Fallon making the noise or something. Just <laughs> <laughs> in the background, <laughs> this folly. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, but yeah, so I, I I really like that line a lot. Um, all right, let's go on to my next one. Oh, the great Danton. I apologize. There simply is too much magic for my stage at the Pantages across the street. My intrusion! And go easy on the poor chap. He does try so very hard. I love this part of the movie. I actually, a quick shout out again to Parker. I In my notes while I was watching it, I was like, thank you for requesting this movie, Parker, because <laughs> I enjoyed this scene so much. It's the culmination of their rivalry it's it's the the defeating him on the stage is like the best way you can do it he ruins a trick injures his uh opponent and then performs the rest of the show for him advertising for his own show across the street best marketing thing i've ever seen yes like in, in the crowd loves it every part of it like when he comes out of the door and he's like <laughs> he acts surprised to be there he's like wait why am i here you know like, <laughs> it's just such a great way to, to to introduce yourself and then he you know bragging that he's got too much magic just every part of it he has the double like uh hanging from the thing tied up yeah (laughs) with an ad for his own show like yeah ah so so masterfully executed and it the way and and he says like go easy on him he tries so hard like what a savage roast for like a a, a magician and who who truly does care about his work like this is very this must destroy him you have to you have to expect repercussions for this because he's going above and beyond to embarrass and destroy the great danton so i just oh yeah it's worth appreciating this amazing uh this 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 amazing uh battle inside of these uh these two magicians shows it's just ah so cool it is (laughs) like you could have made this uh, even without the twists and stuff like this is just a really cool uh, part of like it's, a great, it's a great great moment <laughs> yes um, okay and I've got one more quote for us so we'll, we'll listen to that now Cutter I haven't looked yet I wanted you to share this I already know how he does it Robert same way he always does the same way as we do it's just that you, you want something more well let's find out then shall we What does it mean? It means, Cutter, we have a journey ahead of us to America. And the reason I included this one is because every time we watch a movie that takes place in a different country, I get worried that uh, Americans are going to be underrepresented in the movie. So I was just glad that they took a trip to America because that's a big problem for me that like there's not enough Americans in cinema and film. So I was glad to see they they didn't waste the entire movie in London and they went took a trip to the to the best country in the world. So I just wanted to give a shout out to Christopher Nolan to America, yeah, to to the Nolan brothers, yeah, yeah. And a shout out to America for being in this movie because again, I, I'm just worried that Americans will go un, underrepresented in film. <laughs> so well, speaking of like Americans, I mean, I think Nikola Tesla is uh, perfect. We didn't even mention that David Bowie is in this movie, but yeah, Ziggy Stardust himself. It's I, I think that I think it's so funny that like David Bowie, who is like on his own, a kind of like 
mythical figure in like cinema and like pop culture yes. is playing Nikola Tesla, who's also like a mythical figure in like history and culture. So yeah, <laughs> I think that's pretty good. On, like I feel like doing this podcast always reveals too much about things I don't know, but I really don't know that much about Tesla. I, I learned way more about Edison in school and I feel like yeah. Tesla kind of got left out. I did a project in like second grade about uh, Edison. Uh, it wasn't much till much later that I found out about, about Tesla. Yeah. But, yeah. Well, it's kind of a cool well, inclusion that they have the rival, like the uh, parallel rivalry between Tesla and Edison. Right. Uh, and then obviously Borden uh, versus uh, Angier. But we, we'll talk about that a little bit later. Right now, uh, you know, every time we sit down to watch these movies, I think that uh, there are ideas that are expressed that are worth us internalizing and uh, carrying with us as we as we move forward. So uh, right now we present to you what this movie taught us. Obsession is a young man's game. Sacrifice is the price of a good trick. A pretty assistant is the most effective form of misdirection. Don't use a double, just don't. Drowning is not like going home, it's agony. Don't underestimate the power of a fake beard. Excellent. I uh, it's one of my favorite aspects of watching movies is uh, the lessons all that the we lessons care you can take away from it. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, all right. Joey, I think you know what uh, what time it is. It is time for us to go a little deeper. deeper, deeper, deeper. Okay, so this movie really breaks down for you the makeup of a trick. And I, I think it's one of the most memorable parts at the very beginning when Michael Caine explains to us the pledge, the turn, and the prestige. Uh, and, and it's also very clear that this movie is... Uh, designed to present itself to you much like that trick that they're explaining to have mm-hmm. many pledges turns and prestiges throughout the movie especially uh like leading up to that final reveal so wh- i want to ask you joey okay what is the prestige of the movie the prestige i think it's got to be the very end i think like you got the pledge is setting up your characters, Angier and Borden. Mm-hmm. Then the turn is when Borden introduces his trick, the transported man, um, and then Angier sends Angier on his quest to replicate and make it better. Uh huh. Um, then, I think the turn is when I'm oh, not the turn. The when the, the prestige is when uh, it's revealed that um. Uh, Angier was killing himself every night and that Borden has a twin um, because in both cases they they kind of reappear right so I guess I guess uh, I guess I would back that up a little bit then the prestige is when Angier uh, shows up with Borden's daughter at the um, at the prison he said he's like he's Lord Caldwell now right he yes. shows up and he's like I'm back Whoa. You know, and then of course Borden does the same thing at the very, very end. Um, he shows up when you don't expect him, um, and uh, I do love that moment when um, Borden is walking into the theater and Cutter is walking out, and Cutter sees him and just acknowledges yeah. him. Like, yeah, like go get him. Go please. ahead. Yeah. <laughs> um, no, I like that, and I think there's different ways to interpret it. Uh, I could, like the reason I ask is because I'm not very certain in my own answer to this question, okay. which I, I think it's thought provoking but uh what michael kane says after what cutter says when he's explaining these steps is after he says that the final step is the prestige he says it's not enough to make something disappear you have to bring it back uh so in a way i think that the prestige of this movie is uh the fact that it all fits together you can watch the movie one time and be you know in this cloud of mystery the whole time and then at the end have your mind blown by this reveal 
but the prestige is being able to go back and see that it all fits together perfectly. It pr it's not enough to just give you this big reveal. You have to be able to explain it all the way through and at every, at every moment be able to look at it and say, that's still consistent with the reveal that they have at the end. I, hmm. I, I'm not exactly sure because that's not this exact, it's not a perfect uh, parallel. No, that's really to good. It. That's like, I mean, that's kind of the definition of setup and payoff, but in like, but in, you know, magician terms, yeah. right? you, for that, you, you set up something at the beginning and then you have it come back in a meaningful way at the end. And you're right. Like having all, everything kind of fit together perfectly is like the ultimate setup and payoff and therefore ultimate prestige. Yes. So yeah, I, I well, I think that if you were able to, because obviously this movie begs you to go back and take a closer look once you know what has happened. And I think if there were glaring plot holes or if they didn't really take that into account, they were like, oh, at the end, we'll have this big twist, uh, but not really have any sort of setup or these hints that are sprinkled throughout, then it wouldn't have nearly the prestige that it has uh, now. It wouldn't be as worth as worth it to go back and really study. So I think... Yeah, what you just touched on right there is perfect. Like, the, the word prestige in this movie has a different meaning than, like, what we're used to. I just looked up the, de the definition uh -huh. on dictionary.com. Um, widespread respect and admiration felt for someone or something on the basis of perception and their achievements or quality. So, for me, yeah, that's think, the biggest part is the the yeah. fact that this movie is it it dangles every all the evidence right in front of you. You're just missing this one important piece. Uh, is the reason why it's such a good film and why you can go back and rewatch it over and over. And to go back to this definition, the prestige is what you take away from the film. It's exactly it's the thing that sits with you and that you remember. Excuse me. So yeah, it's so I like it, and it's it's so cool that you can even ask that. Like, what is the prestige of the prestige? It's like the name of the movie. So um, okay, <laughs> moving forward, and this one is I just kind of want to uh, open this up. We don't really have to go super deep into it, but uh, the characters in this movie are very motivated by this. Uh, well, Borden and uh, Angie are very motivated to have this legacy that they leave by having the greatest trick, uh, by having this uh, trick that no one else can do and to, to make that, to live on through their legacy. So do, does this movie make an argument for uh, becoming a slave to your obsessions uh, and that obsession being creating a legacy? So I'll, I'll, I'll open it up with, Tesla and Edison, both of these guys okay. wanted to be like the guy who made progress with electricity, right? To bring it to, or to invent things that no one else had invented before by, again, I'm not really sure what Tesla actually did in real life, but the rivalry is definitely there. And both these guys were known for like pushing the limits, um, yeah. which is the same thing that Angier and Borden do. But obviously it leads to terrible consequences at the same time. But we still have these amazing tricks that blows everybody's mind. So I'm not, I'm not exactly sure what to take away from that. Because I would love to be remembered forever for some amazing trick no one else could do. But I also don't want my wife to kill herself. So, <laughs> Well, I think that's, I think that's a, a, the actual point of this. Is when I think of legacy, I think, or leaving a legacy, I think of two avenues. And that's leaving a legacy through your work. And leaving a legacy through your family. In both cases, um, like your life would live on beyond you, in a way. But, um, the, like making that choice in a lot of these, and in this movie and in other things too, it's seen as you can't do both. Like you have to choose one or the other. Definitely. You either have to dedicate yourself completely to a legacy or dedicate yourself completely to a family. And in both cases, like the outcome is different, but it kind of gives you the same way. It kind of leads to immortality in the way that we understand it today. Yeah. And like it, like your your ideas and your life lives on beyond you. Okay. Um, so maybe it's like so, a cautionary tale to to not, uh, I guess if to to know what you're going for, right, and not get it yeah. mixed up. Well, that's the thing. Is like. I mean, in any case, I mean, there's always going to be things that, that could happen, right? Like, I mean, it's possible that you're sterile or like, you know, or like your kids don't have kids or something. And then that kind of ends there. But it also could be that like, for the case of Tesla, like he was overshadowed by Edison. Um, and it isn't until much later that he's kind of given the recognition that maybe he deserves. But even so, it's a lot more complicated. There's a lot more asterisks in there. And it's almost like you can't bring up Tesla without bringing up Edison. 
you know? Yeah. Whereas people just talk about Thomas Edison on his own. So in a way, like you don't have control over your legacy after you die either. So you don't, either way, there's risks involved and it could just end in obscurity, um, just like you're feared. Right. It's, um, yeah, honestly, it almost seems like a cautionary tale uh, towards it, but at the same time still creates some pretty dazzling moments that might definitely encourage people to pursue it. So I don't know. It's cool. <laughs> you definitely get to see some obsessed individuals in this movie. Yeah. And I like that you can kind of experience this story through like through a movie, you know, like it's, it's almost never presented as real. Like it doesn't really occupy the real world in any real way. Um, and I feel like that makes it a little bit easier to, to palette because if you were to, um, like if this were a true story, it'd be just like a, a true tragedy, you know? And I think like seeing it through these two guys who like both of them are kind of deeply flawed makes it, um, means you can take something away from it without having like anyone getting hurt. Right. Yeah. Without feeling bad for the, for the parties involved. Yeah. yeah. No magicians were hurt in the making of this film. Exactly. <laughs> okay. Um, for me, for my deeper topic, I feel like, you talk about the, this movie as a metaphor for movie making. We've kind of touched on this a few times, but uh, Christopher Nolan's movies are often about the process of making a movie or watching a movie, and this movie is no exception. The Prestige uses techniques of magicians to distract and to amaze, and although it is a movie as opposed to a live magic show, it plants little clues, it builds itself up, and it distracts you from what you should really be paying attention to. And, but I also think that Cutter is right. He says the audience wants to be fooled, and we want to be swept away in the story. Um, even though all these things are in there for us to kind of piece together and figure out, it sweeps you away so effortlessly that you're just like, oh, I just want to know, you know, like I, I just want to find out what happens at the end. I want to go to the end. And then, but when it ends, you're like, oh, I'm sad that it's over. You know, I wish there was more of this because it's just so entertaining. Yeah. The other thing is that, um, Nolan's works are often fully self-contained and there's very little reference to outside stuff. Um, or like even the real world, even Tesla in this movie is more of a mysterious man with mysterious powers than like a historical. Figure. Yeah, no, I mean, I can just echo what I said earlier. I really didn't learn that much about Tesla. And even no. right now, most of my knowledge of who this guy is, is a an inspiration for Elon Musk's cars and <laughs> and B this magic, like mad scientist from the prestige. Right. Yeah, they, I mean, they. I think they mentioned that he invented alternating current in this movie. Yeah, no, it was it was. True. Oh man, there's actually a pretty good uh, quote about that with from the Edison's guys, uh, where they're like, it, it, it's um, oh man, where is it? Uh, they, they, they just talk about his superior alternating current, like they're mm. they're having a uh, competition over which one. Which like, wait, did he invent alternating current, like, or yes. discover it, or? I don't know how that works. I think he invented it. Okay, but yeah, I remember it didn't that. exist before him, right? Because uh, it's like it's more efficient, and it he was uh, he his whole thing was he was going to offer it for free, and t- and uh, Edison monetized his direct current, which was not as good, but he was able to sell it, and make um electric companies tons and tons of money. It still does because of that, right? Um, so yeah, I think this movie can be engaged on, in this interesting way where it doesn't have to be it can be appreciated on its own without further context and it's engaging not just at a story level but at a technical level a performance based level um, and every time you watch it you get something more there's a deeper level to it there's a greater appreciation for the details it doesn't the movie um, only doesn't just feel complete um, it's it's more incredible the more and more it's analyzed um, I just really like this idea of like you can come into a movie without any kind of context, right? It, it, it doesn't stand in a certain time period, even though it's kind of a period piece, but like it, it works just as well when it came out um, as it does today. So it's not like a commentary on necessarily today's society. It's more a commentary on people and people like don't really change. People have kind of been the same way for a long time. Oh, I really like uh, just a, echo on your it can be appreciated on technical and performance based level because let's not forget that this is a movie about magic shows and if the magic shows that they showed in the movie weren't impressive it would really diminish the value of this movie but they do such a good job of actually making the individual tricks impressive so that you enjoy that aspect of it as well the first time you see 
uh, Angier's version of the transported man, that would blow my mind at a, so cool. at a at a <laughs> actual show. And it is. And the, at that point, they're trying to accentuate the aspect of his show being better uh, showmanship. Right, a better performance as opposed to uh, Borden's more scientific, just like watches this ball bounces. Technical, yeah, technically impressive thing. Yeah, right. exactly. and his is more technically impressive because he literally, it's him still in both, yeah. which is crazy. <laughs> but the it is crazy. But the difference is in Angier's show, he's able to uh, pump a lot more showmanship into it, a lot more yeah. uh, just well, presentation. Do you remember what he says right before he uh, he does it? He says it's not. Uh, it's technically safe. Yeah, it's like, what you're about to see is considered safe, which is such a that's uh, such a good line. It's like it's considered safe as if like it's not actually safe. <laughs> but like all he's doing is like, you know, moving from one door to the other. It's like what he's doing is so dangerous. It's like I I cannot claim this next feat as illusion. Right. And it's it was good. just so cool. Such a good way to set it up. Such a good distraction. Uh, but and you just the whole time you're just wishing that they would work together because they could b- make like such a good show together. Ah, but know? who would get the applause? That's uh, <laughs> the the, uh, the the cherry on top of the presentation for that. Was it called the transported man when Angier did it? It was called um, the new transported man. OK. And, and the thing, the cherry on top of the whole presentation of it was throwing the hat. Which oh, is yeah. such a and then catching it. Yes. Oh my gosh! How hard would that be to practice? Well, if you watch it, because it like you think he just throws it and then it goes over the top and he catches the same hat, right? Yeah. It's definitely not. It's a different hat because he th- it's a different hat. Well, he throws it way up and maybe it's the same hat, but it's not the same throw. He throws it above where you can see and then it comes back down from above where you can see. But because they use a light, the light follows it past the top of the stage and then back down, so it seems like it's oh one continuous gosh, throw. But I went that's awesome. because it blew me away again, obviously, because it's an awesome show, like such an awesome trick. I watched it multiple times and I and I was like, "How does he do such a great throw?" And it, he doesn't. He throws it up top and then somebody up top throws it back down perfectly. Still impressive, don't get me wrong. But no, that's more impressive. It's a, yeah, it's, they trick you, uh, which is just, I mean, that's, that's a so microcosm. Cool. Like that a that's a microcosm of what this movie is. Uh, so oh, just so, so, so cool. Yeah. And I mean, that's the thing is like, you can look at it like frame by frame. You can see all these like little details and stuff in it. And I feel like Christopher Nolan does this a lot where he kind of brings this idea of like really great filmmaking to a big audience and you know he makes blockbusters he makes movies that people get excited about and this movie like is complicated there's a lot of stuff going on but it's easy enough for people to understand and for them to get totally like mind blown by the very end so um he, he makes movies that are accessible to a lot of people but also make you feel good for appreciating the kind of details in it and it doesn't allow it doesn't it doesn't require like a large knowledge of movies. It doesn't require you to be like a movie buff to appreciate all the little things in there. You know, like Wilhelm screams, for example, that was like a good example. It's like, <laughs> if you put that in there, it's like a cheeky nod to other people. Right. But he doesn't do stuff like that. It's all self-contained. It's all within the universe he's creating within the movie. It's uh, and I, I feel like I always say this whenever I, I feel like I say this a lot, but I do appreciate when it's done. It, it's treating your your audience with intelligence. It, yes. it, 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 you say, I'm going to expect you to keep up with this, but if you do, you're, you're going to be like heavily rewarded. Very well for rewarded. It. Yeah. yeah. And it's, I think that's an important part. Yeah, I consider myself an intelligent member of the audience. So I, I'm like, thank you for, you know, uh, I, I agree. <laughs> I, I, I am of some level of intelligence. I'm capable of understanding uh, somewhat complex uh, structures, but yeah. he, 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 he does challenge you a little bit but he does it in a way that's still very accessible uh to general audiences it's something that's not easy to do yeah i totally agree with that man i just lost my train of thought (laughs) (laughs) well that's okay i think this was uh we'll wrap up our uh deeper section here and move on to our ratings and before we started recording this show uh you mentioned that you Thought you might be able to predict my rating, so it's just, it's time to find out if what I. <laughs> Do you want me to predict it before you say oh, it? N- I think it'd be better if I just said it and you said if you if you uh, if it was the same one. So I give this movie, I give the Prestige, two cats and a dozen top hats. Okay, that's good. <laughs> that's not what I thought you were gonna say. Go. I'm glad I'm not super predictable. I'm just like this movie, Joey. You can't. Uh, you can't. You don't always see it coming. <laughs> that's right. I couldn't. That's a good one though. Uh, I give this movie two copies of of the Prestige, one which I'll dunk in water. 
Wow. <laughs> I like it. Um, so yeah, obviously we really enjoyed this film. It was, uh, it was a blast sitting down and, and having a watch of it. So thank you again, Parker, for uh, recommending this film. Uh, if anyone listening right now has a film they want to hear us talk about, uh, you can tweet at us at AfterChat, or you can send us an email on uh, on our email address, AfterChat at gmail.com. Our next movie that we're going to be discussing is Dodgeball, and we'll be joined by uh, a close friend of ours, uh, Corey Novotny, who I actually do a sports podcast with, a bi-weekly sports podcast. So we're going to have him on. We're talking about Dodgeball, a movie I'm really excited to discuss. So uh, stay tuned for that. But I think this wraps up our episode on The Prestige. For Affable Chat, I'm Benjamin. And I'm Joey. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening to Affable Chat. We're available on iTunes, Spotify, Google Play, SoundCloud, or wherever you get your podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, please leave us a review. We would really appreciate it. If you have a question, comment, or want to request something for us to talk about, you can reach us at our Twitter account, at AffableChat, or our email, AffableChat at gmail.com. Once again, thanks for listening, and we'll see you next time. Thank <laughs> you.